0: This is an RNZ podcast.
1: It's not exactly breaking news that publishing newspapers is a pretty tough gig in the internet era. Years ago, TradeMe swallowed up the classified adverts that were once called the rivers of gold, which made them so profitable. In 2006, our biggest newspaper publisher decided to buy what it couldn't beat, paying three quarters of a billion dollars for TradeMe. And Fairfax Media, which is now called Stuff, sold TradeMe for much more than that five years later, but mostly to pay off its huge debts. Well, ten years after that, the current owner, Sinead Boucher, was able to buy the entire company from its Australian owner for just one New Zealand dollar. So from rivers of gold to just one gold coin in only 15 years. Now, the closure of local and regional papers under similar pressures had already created so-called news deserts across the United States, places where local affairs were underreported or even unreported altogether. And the trend was documented by former newspaper editor-turned-journalism professor Dr Kenton Bird from Moscow, Idaho, in the west of the United States. And in 2010, Dr Bird came here to check out how our papers were doing. And at the time, he told RNZ's Jim Mora this...
0: I'm just looking at my map of the North Island. I've seen dailies from the New Plymouth, the Taranaki Daily News. I've seen the Dominion Post, um, Hawke's Bay Today, the Gisbon Herald, and uh, Bay of Plenty Times as well. Okay. Um, my trip to the South Island uh, begins next week, and so I expect I'll come back with a suitcase uh, full of newspapers from the other half of the country then.
1: But Kenton Byrd didn't just stuff papers into a suitcase, he blogged his whole trip around the country for six months, creating a fascinating snapshot of how our papers were back then, which is still online now. However, back in the US, things were getting worse, and former Baltimore Sun journalist David Simon, the creator of the TV series The Wire, memorably told a 2016 congressional hearing into the issue this. God, the next 10 or 15 years in this country are going to be a halcyon era for state and local political corruption. It is going to be one of the great times to be a corrupt politician. Right? What? You know, I, I really envy them. I really do. Now, later that year, Donald Trump got elected, swamping America's news deserts, lacking in trusted news sources, while research showed that his backing slumped in places with higher-than-average news subscriptions. Meanwhile, some newspapers that had survived Craigslist and eBay were getting picked off by vulture investors... And in 2018, the ailing Denver Post told its own asset-stripping owner, Alden, to sell the paper and get lost, a career-ending choice for the top editorial team there. And a former Denver Post editor, Jeffrey Roberts, told me this at that time. It's not just politics. It's not just about Donald Trump. It's about your community. It's about all sorts of things that are important in in your community. And And that's what's missing when when newspapers get decimated and, you know, other types of news organisations can't, can't fill that void. Well, same here in New Zealand, you could say. So when Kenton Bird from Moscow, Idaho, arrived back in New Zealand recently, he was delighted to find that those daily papers he read and analysed here 12 years ago are still going. And when he popped into RNZ to catch up, I asked him if he thought they were as good now as they were back then.
0: When I arrived, I was impressed that uh, the papers were, I believe I called them, lively, interesting, and fun to read. Clever writing, strong headlines, uh, strong um, local focus. And uh, that still seems to be the case. Uh, the format has, has changed. The Most of the regional papers I read were broadsheets at the time. Now they're tabloids, except yeah, you, on... You made mention of that back uh, in 2010.
1: You said American papers had started to go tabloid size or something close to that yeah. size to save costs of paper. And you thought that was a mistake. And you were, you were pleased. <laughs> Our local papers were broadsheets. But yeah. now there's no afternoon papers left anymore. And...
0: They're all, I think, with one exception, the tabloid size uh, presentation. But the weekend papers, which uh, presumably have more um, in-depth analysis, uh, more space for the larger photographs, uh, continue to be in that broadsheet format. So um, I appreciate that.
1: One of the things that was top of mind for you back in 2010 was you were starting to see the emergence of what became known as news deserts in the States.
0: is the situation now, all these years on? I'm sorry to report that the downward trends have continued. A lot of the research done by Penny Abernathy, uh, then at the University of North Carolina, and now at Northwestern University in Chicago, show that the number of uh, titles uh, is diminishing on the average of two per week, uh, either through closures or consolidations. And the small towns and rural areas that perhaps most need a local news source are the ones that are losing uh, their community newspapers and and that's cause for concern and uh, i wrote about this uh, focused on uh, the uh, the papers in the west where there are both literal deserts and uh, news deserts and uh, <laughs> not much um, has has happened uh, that would change my pessimism uh, as their budgets diminish. Um, but the, the bright spots, which I called the blooms in the desert, are new digital independent startups. Uh, on a, a non-profit basis, uh, they're not uh, reliant on advertising or subscriptions. Uh, they have a new funding model that's primarily uh, non-profit, um, uh, some corporate uh, grants, some donations, some um, memberships, uh, similar to what we have with public radio Uh, In the states. One in um, our capital city of Boise called the Idaho Capital Sun. Uh, Another one uh, also in Boise, specializing in education news. And uh, one in nearby Spokane, Washington, uh, covering religion, ethics, uh, and values called FAVES or Faith and Values Spokane. They they
1: sound really quite niche publications. So uh, is it that a specific audience that's prepared to? Uh,
0: pay pay for that to be produced? Well, through donations and uh, through their subscriptions, but they're, they're filling a gap in the, the information uh, network, and uh, uh, I'm hoping that that model will spread uh, as the, the daily and especially those weekly community newspapers decline.
1: There was a situation that unfolded which made me think back to your visit all those years ago. This is the Denver Post. The newspaper was taken over by an organisation, I think, called Alden that invested in quite a few papers. But the Denver Post's own editorial staff came out against them in the newspaper, published editorials about the mismanagement. An official, Some local official joked to one of the paper's reporters at the time, oh, if you close down, that's great, we can get away with a lot more. But that's the serious side to this, isn't it? That when these papers have closed, whether in places as big as Denver or even in smaller places... Councils, local government doesn't get scrutinized and corruption can flourish?
0: Denver is one of the places where there are several of these digital startups that have emerged, uh, particularly after that closure of the, the other daily and Denver was the Rocky Mountain News. Um, the, the Post continues and I think is is doing the best it can under the circumstances. Uh, but you're right that without that close attention to what uh, local governments are doing, what um, local school boards, county commissions, um, it, it's very difficult for the, the public to, to stay abreast of, of what's going on. Yeah, and actually you
1: made a point of this in that article you mentioned that you wrote uh, about these expanding news deserts, uh, that even even the fast-growing areas are not now able to support a kind of functioning newspaper or news organization.
0: And the, the challenge, of course, has been compounded by COVID. So COVID has put the final nail in the, the coffin uh, for other papers, largely through the, the loss of uh, the small businesses that uh, made up the, the advertising. And that only gradually has, has uh, come back. But uh, a labor shortage... Has made it difficult for uh, the daily newspapers in um, my part of the country to find carriers for uh, home delivery of the paper. I, I uh, believe today, Kenton, by pure coincidence, is World
1: Newspaper Carrier Day. Oh gosh! Uh, perfect uh, and, uh, <laughs> coincidence. I, I think uh, that's. I think carrier is not a term familiar in New Zealand, but we tend to call paper boys or girls, paper boys, pa- yeah. paper deliverers. And, and I only know that because I looked up. Uh, Gannett, the newspaper group, because I'd heard some disastrous revenue figures and were about to lay off an, another um, a tranche of journalists. In fact, yes, here's the statement from their media division head: "In the coming days, we will be making necessary and painful reductions to staffing, etc." And so, Gannett, one of the biggest newspaper, pu- if not the biggest uh, newspaper publisher in the in
0: the US, um, measured by um, number of readers, it is. I, I think there is uh, uh, another. Uh, newspaper group that may have more titles, but uh, um, yeah, Gannett uh, has been challenged uh, because the, the papers it owns are uh, in places where population is moving to the suburbs, uh, where the economies may not be as strong. Um, Gannett had a lot of papers in um, Midwest, uh, Great Lakes area, uh, and uh, where the population growth has uh, now shifted to the so called Sun Belt. And um, uh, one of the, the stronger uh, Gannett papers is in Phoenix, Arizona, um, uh, where it is in um, taking advantage of the population growth and uh, it is doing uh, fairly strongly uh, and covering an important uh, news. Uh, but that's probably the exception. Uh, to uh, what's happening elsewhere in that chain. Mm. And
1: so have you had, uh, as seemed to be going on a few years back, uh, so-called vulture funds trying to pick up these distressed assets and uh, maybe getting what they can out of them, looking for the land and buildings and things like that?
0: Well, the the venture capital firms uh, that have... uh, uh, taken advantage of the weaknesses in the newspaper industry, have have uh, swooped in as vultures and um, have uh, liquidated a lot of assets, have uh, cut the papers back uh, to the bone. And uh, that's been one of the, the sad developments. Uh, formerly great uh, cities with great newspapers are now, now struggling and Um, In some cases, uh, there have been local entrepreneurs that have tried to uh, buy the paper away from uh, the the vulture capitalists, but uh, without success. I'm thinking particularly of Baltimore Sun, uh, one of those uh, papers that... Uh, um, was was great uh, for most of the 20th century and fallen on hard times since then.
1: Mm. So when you were here in 2010, I mean, you remarked to Jim Mora uh, back then on RNZ National that uh, you thought that the, the online transition of, of our papers here might be around about five years behind the U.S. We still didn't have at that point um, premium sort of premium content or digital subscriptions basically getting money it was all being given away for free on the internet uh, except for a couple of uh, business publications Um, and you did mention at that time even so the wall street journal was doing it in the u.s but even the new york times wasn't really sure what to do and only sort of some specialized content uh, sort of business operations and so on were making it work in the states back then people were even talking about Micro payments, you know, a few cents per story, which, which, as we know, hasn't really worked out as a strategy since then. Um, But now, you know, I I don't know if you've had the chance to see it, but that is in play now here in New Zealand, both with the paid online subscriptions by the likes of the New Zealand Herald or even uh, donations and donation platforms uh, for people to contribute.
0: One thing that I noticed in 2010 was that uh, the Internet service, uh, Wi-Fi, fiber optic, was um, slow, expensive, and unreliable, especially (laughs) uh, in the rural areas of the country. And I think that's one thing that has been remedied. Um, since I was here before that uh, I remember how difficult then it was to get uh, streaming video Uh, and uh, um, 12 years later uh, I think the um, the the broadband service uh, seems to be more consistent. Uh, there were um, several providers that I could choose from in, in Hamilton when um, I I signed up. Yeah, it's a-, a fascinating change because you mentioned back then. I'm, I'm sure you can't you don't remember, but when I listened
1: back to your interview, it was right there saying that you know you could do all sorts of things it was possible by 2010 to have galleries of photographs and attach video and so on. But you wouldn't be wanting to do that when it was uh, gumming up your download time
0: to put on all this. Uh, <laughs> That's or right.
1: take advantage
0: of the multimedia options that existed. So now the the infrastructure is in place, and I think that's cleared the way uh, for New Zealand newspapers to uh, to be digital first and um, not uh, simply recycle their uh, their print content uh, into the, their their websites. And um, uh, I am a subscriber to uh, the New Zealand Herald's premium content because uh, I know there are. Uh, things beyond the paywall that uh, I I want to know about and uh, haven't uh, been able to get there without the the paywall, uh, uh, without going around it to the the premium content. And I think the same is true in the States, that uh, uh, maybe um, 2012 to 2015, uh, news companies wised up and realized that they couldn't give away Uh, Content. Uh, And so now um, you'll get uh, uh, maybe one or two stories free, uh, some cases up to four per month. Uh, But then uh, you've got to, uh, if not uh, subscribed to the Paid online uh, content at least register so that that company has uh, your name and email address and is able to uh, put you into their database for for marketing purposes. So mm. so I think in in both countries uh, that ability to reach customers uh, digitally uh, and um, more quickly has has been. Um, uh, Advanced and uh, um, ideally, uh, that uh, it's providing a, a revenue stream that those news organizations didn't have before.
1: And are you surprised then, Kenton, to be back all these years later? And those newspapers that you looked at so closely back then—Taranaki Daily News, Hawkes Bay Today, and so on—they are all still in print. Some of the little community free sheets that you might have seen back then have uh, been axed in the years since. But there've been so many reorganisations uh, of, of the whole media business. Not to me- only the online thing is only one of those
0: things. But are you, are you surprised now, all these years later, they're all still there? if you had asked me as i was leaving in 2010 do you think these papers will still be here in in 2 years 5 years uh, 10 years i i would have predicted some attrition that uh, the the smaller more remote uh, uh, regional dailies and maybe some of the uh, the weeklies in in smaller places um, would have consolidated or closed uh, and so it suggests to me that there there's perhaps a resiliency in the the New Zealand character uh, that uh, continues to support and uh, appreciate uh, the the values that these community papers provide. Uh, I think there's also um, the the presence of a strong local retail market. Uh, that, uh, it hasn't been all subsumed into malls and big box stores, uh, w- you know, the arrival of of uh, Costco in Auckland notwithstanding. <laughs> um, but uh, my wife and I continue to be amazed as we travel around the Waikato region and, um, you know, places like Cambridge and Warrensville and Gordonton uh, all have uh, a strong Main Street uh, with... Uh, uh, small retailers uh, that um, are the bread and butter of those uh, community newspapers. and yeah, sure, uh, for them
1: advertising on Facebook and so on, and uh, the cost per thousand doesn't really come into it. It's much better to be in the paper, I yeah. think.
0: Yeah, but there, there seems to be this uh, very strong uh, retail sector uh, that uh, I think is a factor in the the success, and uh, that is is no longer true in the, the U.S. So the, the, there are small retailers, but uh, they're less likely to advertise in in their community newspaper.
1: If one of the I was looking back at your blog from the time when you were here previously. You've posted some fascinating snapshots, with are fascinating to look back on now. For example, uh, you went to Matamata, uh, which at the time was high on. Uh, being Hobbiton because of those Lord of the Rings uh, movies. And uh, local paper, uh, the Matamata Chronicle, um, a weekly taken over by uh, its editor... Joel Maxwell, who you said was not afraid to go on Facebook to try and pump the stories out to a wider readership, even producing a local print product that probably relied upon the sorts of um, retail advertisers that you just mentioned there. Um, now, uh, fascinating. Jo- Joel now is um, you know, a senior journalist, a journalist working for Stuff. Um, he's got uh, expertise in Te Maori, uh, which is something that our media has been lacking, trying to address now. So, yeah, fascinating to see back then, he was uh, taking over a paper of his own, trying to give it a go and now he's part of the big chain
0: it's uh, fun for me to to look at some of the facebook pages that that i um, signed up for and followed uh, 12 years ago that still will pop up into my feed uh, and the mata mata chronicle is one of them um Uh, There's an uh, Otago community um, page out of Dunedin, and uh, one that, for some reason, I'm seeing um, for uh, the first time in uh, several months is Save Radio New Zealand uh, Facebook page which is uh, something that was in, in the news uh, a dozen years ago and uh, maybe back in the news now as a result of the um, discussions over uh, a new broadcasting authority here.
1: That's exactly right that group was submitting to parliament and uh, yes it did make me think that it was around about that time uh, with the you know uh, under another government that wasn't so uh, inclined to invest in public media uh, that that group had formed. So so and Facebook, I guess the internet gives these things a a long life. But back in 2010, there wasn't a lot of pressure on our media, um, and especially our newspapers, fairly traditional. Not a lot of pressure to represent um, the Māori world, uh, and they weren't especially inclusive. Uh, We still know that there are very few Māori journalists throughout the industry. There's currently a a cadetship and uh, mentoring programme to try and increase this. But also, uh, most media companies now have uh, Māori editorial strategies and Māori uh, content strategies, which they never had before, Rātaki Māori. Have you... Even in the short time you've been here, noticed a difference in the uh, presence of Maori language and Maori issues in our media uh, compared with 12 years ago.
0: That was one of the first things I observed uh, on uh, arrival uh, was the degree to which the Te Reo Maori was uh, appearing uh, in print and uh, on the air, uh, the the place names, um, the uh, vocabulary. Um, the presence of um, um, Maori political leaders w- was uh, maybe a little more more visible, uh, and the um, the bylines, the the, the journalists, uh, and uh, so uh, uh, it was. Eye opening for me coming from a, a place we have a strong uh, Native American presence in my part of, of Idaho, uh, but there's next to no visibility in print or broadcast media. Uh, and so it's uh, refreshing to to see that part of uh, this country's uh, tradition and heritage uh, represented in the media. And um, uh, I was fortunate to be here uh, during the Maori Language Week in uh, September, and uh, so... Uh, the a lot more emphasis uh, on uh, the uh, the Maori language then, but uh, it's something that I've continued to uh, watch and and appreciate, and um, so it's especially uh, enlightening on the, the the national news. I'm I'll always watch the the weather on um, uh, TVNZ one, and um, to hear all of the place names. Um, and uh, to to learn that, that, that there were names uh, that were here uh, for hundreds of years before the uh, European settlers arrived in the uh, 19th century that are are now getting renewed visibility, so that's refreshing.
1: Well, it's good that you. It's good that you've picked up on that. And just very briefly, finally, before we let you go, uh, you're here again on a sabbatical, uh, so
0: you'll be spending some months based in Hamilton, I think? That's correct. Uh, A little shorter sabbatical, just um, um, late August through December. Uh, A chance to revisit places that uh, I had uh, been on the previous trip in 2010, but uh, coming with a a new set of of eyes, new questions to ask, and uh, greater appreciation for... Um, New Zealand politics, culture and cuisine Um, New Zealand uh, found a special place in um, my wife and my heart uh, when we were here in 2010 and we're just thrilled to be back to uh, be able to appreciate it again
1: and in 30 seconds or less, what is the focus now of your research? What are you turning your attention to?
0: I'm looking at uh, how uh, journalists uh, approach coverage of uh, fringe groups, uh, extremist movements, um, political uh, leaders uh, outside the, the mainstream, and uh, how uh, we as journalists can cover them um fully and fairly uh, without giving uh, an excessive attention uh, that would perhaps give them uh, more visibility than they, they deserve. And, I, well,
1: in the COVID era, that has emerged as an issue here. You've probably been dealing with it for a longer time since the Trump election and so on, and all of those factors in the U.S., but have you formed any view on what you've seen in New Zealand's treatment of that, albeit from a from a distance before you actually arrive back here again?
0: Uh, it, it's been a challenge for journalists, I, I think, uh, in New Zealand. I. Uh, It seems to have found a balance uh, that that, uh, there seems to be uh, enough for the public to know to make informed decisions in uh, elections, uh, but perhaps without the the sensational coverage that uh, um, some um, places in the United States might give to uh, those same people or the people of the same beliefs.